Pop Culture Podcast. My name is Erin and I'm your host. I'm so excited to be back here with you all. It's been kind of a while. Um, during the school year I teach so I'm really really busy but I'm hoping to make a few episodes this summer and I thought that this could be a really really cool topic to start us off on to kind of kick off season two of my pod. Um, Britney Spears. Britney Spears, a beloved pop icon of the late 90s and early 2000s. I mean, anyone who's my age, you know, I'm 23, almost 24, anyone who's my age has been raised on her music, right? From the songs that soundtracked our childhoods, like Baby One More Time or Oops, I Did It Again, to her whole kind of second wave that came when we were in middle school, all the songs that that bumped at our middle school dances, <laughs> like Circus or Womanizer or the song Three, Toxic. Britney really was with us throughout our entire time growing up, and she's still relevant to this day. She is the blueprint for a lot of our current pop girls, girls who dance, girls who have a really high level of showmanship and theatrics to their shows. Definitely one of the people to pioneer the idea of having a big moment at an award show um, to really kind of like make that stage a mini version of your concert, right? Like she defined everything about the early 2000s, you know, style, sexuality, beauty standards, all these trends that are like circling around and coming back now. Britney Spears now in 2021 is almost like more relevant than she's been in so long because of the recent rise of Y2K inspired fashion and music. That whole era, like Britney Spears, Paris Hilton era is so popular. It's, it's the moment right now. Her influence is still so clear and obvious and central to our conversation about pop and our conversation about celebrity. She means a lot to a lot of people. Personally, I've always been more of a Christina Aguilera girl. I think I've probably talked about Christina on my podcast in the past. Like, I'm just a big vocal nerd and I love people who do a lot of like vocal gymnastics and really sing. So I've, I've always loved Christina Aguilera, but like Britney is Britney. She is undeniable, right? You know, there's never been a time that I have questioned Britney's relevance. She, to me, is like the pinnacle of superstardom. But of course, Britney has obviously been at the center of a lot of controversy in her career. And a lot of it hadn't really been examined or questioned until recently, when news of the conservatorship she's been under for 10 years has come into light in the mainstream. So Britney was at the top of the world. She was the girl. And then a couple of things kind of happened back to back that caused a little bit of a domino effect that we've come to collectively refer to as like, Britney's 2007 quote-unquote public breakdown. You may recognize this moment as like when she started lashing out at paparazzi and of course when she shaved her head and was photographed shaving her head um, and that was all over the tabloids and whatnot. Before I even start this podcast, I really want to trouble the word breakdown. It's obviously such a loaded term and has such a negative connotation um, when you really look at what was happening to Britney at that moment, it's extremely understandable why she acted the way she did. She had just gone through a breakup, she was dealing with postpartum depression, and she was being essentially stalked by paparazzi 24-7 to the point where she couldn't even like walk out of her door. Um, so I think anybody in that situation would have been upset and kind of fighting for their own autonomy and life back. However, this moment of like unruliness of, of Britney's rise kind of being derailed a bit was what got her in this conservatorship. I'm not gonna go into all the legal ins and outs of her conservatorship um, because that's not really what I wanna talk about today, but to fill in the gap for anyone who for some reason hasn't been following, um, essentially Britney's father and a couple of other people, I believe, 
have control over her finances, her time, her doctor visits, therapy, medications, you know, what she can and can't do, who she can and can't see. Basically, she is kind of like a child almost. This started raising some eyebrows for big Britney fans, including two comedians who ran a podcast called Britney's Gram, where they like looked at Britney's funny Instagram posts. Um, they thought the conservatorship was kind of weird and, and a little bit sketchy because throughout the past 10 years or so that, that Britney's been under this these restrictions she's also been like touring and performing and putting out music and appearing at least to the public eye as as being like relatively quote-unquote well-functioning or whatever deep in the britney fandom online on twitter and tiktok and on this particular podcast um the the ethics of it all were starting to be questioned people sort of jokingly started saying oh free britney free britney um, and then it sort of became not a joke and, and the concerns started to have a little bit more substance. And a lot of those Britney fans started to look back at the news that they consumed about Britney in 2007, maybe when they were quite young, and, and start thinking about it from a 2021 vantage point where we do have this, this more robust language around mental health and around disability and all of that. Um, and, and then they really kind of were the ones to push forward this conversation about like Britney maybe not being in the best spot and what that really means for pop music, what it means for fans. The thing that really shot the Free Britney movement into the mainstream news was this New York Times documentary Framing Britney Spears, which came out this past winter. I think nowadays there's a lot of room for like these huge pop culture moments to exist in a very small bubble. People have to actually seek them out and enmesh themselves in the culture if they want to experience them. Um, I think it takes a certain undeniable legend-like star power to cross into mainstream entertainment news now. So I think the New York Times doc kind of rocked a lot of people's worlds because, you know, most of the general public is not on, like, pop music stan Twitter and, like, weird, deep, deep internet message boards for Britney fans. <laughs> you know, like, they're not experiencing the free Britney movement as it was gaining its legs and getting off the ground. So they were just thrown into it as this fully formed thing. And all of a sudden they were like, shit, I have not even thought about Britney in a long time. She's kind of in, in my rearview mirror. She's in my hindsight. And really, there's been some weird stuff going on this whole time. And, and have I been contributing to it? And, and that's like really brought up a lot of questions for people. Have I been contributing to a culture where we oppress women? Have I been contributing to a culture where we oppress people with mental illness? I think when that documentary came out, um, it was a moment of discomfort for a lot of people where they had to like look back at their young self and, and almost kind of grimace at the way that they behaved back in the day when, when the Britney quote-unquote breakdown was going on. We saw a lot of like, apologies online from entertainment moguls like Perez Hilton who basically like made a living off of making Britney miserable in the early 2000s you know I mean he's apologizing for what he said and and same with Justin Timberlake right who who sort of dragged Britney through the mud prior to that 2007 breakdown he was reflecting on himself and how he treated her so it was this moment of like collective reckoning for for all sorts of people um and, and even just a lot of us who are like around my age thinking about what we heard as children and how much of that was true and how much of that was kind of filtered through a very misogynistic news media. I had wanted to do a podcast when the documentary aired and didn't get around to it because I was so busy. Um, and now I'm almost glad that I waited because there's so much more to this conversation than I initially thought. Just a few days ago, Britney Spears was able to finally give a direct testimony in court. She was able to speak freely for like 15 minutes or something um, and really kind of just get a bunch of stuff off of her chest. It was the first time we have heard Britney speak directly about the conservatorship and I think it adds a lot to, to this conversation about her. This legal battle regarding Britney and her conservatorship is something that I believe should have us re-examining our relationship to 
fandom to the way we write and talk about celebrities, the way we write and talk about people who are mentally ill. I mean, there's so, so, so much here. It's just like ripe with things to reflect on. But then again, at the center of it all, there's just this woman who's in a really fucked up situation and needs to get out of it. And I started thinking a little bit about like, who is the Free Britney movement actually for? Is it for the fans? Is it for the media? Or is it for Britney? Because um, previously I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all these people, they fucking love her so much. Like they just want to get her out of the situation. Um, you know, it's it's fans that would really like ride or die for her. They want to, they wanna, you know, get her back to like the Britney she used to be. Blah, 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 blah. But after I heard her speak, I was like, well, what does Britney actually want? Like, what is her request? Because we haven't heard it before. And are these fans kind of talking over her? Um, and, and that brought up a lot of interesting stuff for me as someone who is a pop music fan. Maybe not necessarily of Britney, but like, I have people that I feel strongly about, probably in the way that the free Britney movement people do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I find it really important to stress that the free Britney movement did sort of start out as this half-ironic campy joke type of thing. It was a meme, essentially. I mean, not saying that the people who said Free Britney a number of years ago were saying it in any malicious way. Like, these were genuinely people that adored Britney Spears. But there was kind of a funniness to it, right? There was a little humor to it. And I find that relevant because Jamie Spears Britney's dad slash conservator, he frequently calls the movement a conspiracy theory and kind of points out how, how jokey it kind of comes across. But after Britney spoke in court this past week, we know that there is validity to the claims made by fans for years. Britney does legitimately need to be freed from the conservatorship. We know that her dad, Jamie Spears, has played a really sketchy role in her career since it began, since she was little. He's kind of exploited her and used her and, and was very greedy regarding her money and a lot of like weird shit. So, I mean, we know that there's, there's substance to these claims now, but the aesthetics that these protesters, these free Britney protesters use are still kind of in the same fashion that they were when they first started the movement and it was sort of half ironic. When they are petitioning outside the courts, they're holding up big pink glittery signs with like Britney lyrics on them and little puns and stuff. And, and there's something kind of, um, there's something very Instagrammable about it all. It very much looks performative. Of course, this can all be attached to a question about whether or not we take the concerns of young women and young gay men seriously. I mean, we have for so long reduced Britney to something of a joke. We've minimized her pain and found what's funny in it rather than seeing it as a crisis. And we do the same to almost all young women and all young queer people. I don't want to sit here right now and be like, guys, if you want people to take the free Britney movement seriously, why not make like serious signs? Um, because who's to say there's a right or wrong way about like, um, expressing our dissent against something. Um, but I just wanted to point that out, right? That, that, that this mo movement has kind of been discredited since the beginning um, and we've kind of memefied it. Because I think that speaks to something larger about the way Britney has been memefied since the start of her career. I read and listened to Britney's testimony from court in full. She said a lot of really interesting things and I'll, I'll get to some of them later on. Um, but really they can all be boiled down to like two major categories. She's angry about two different things. Number one, she's angry with her dad for the childhood trauma that she faced. Being overworked, being exploited, that sort of thing. She literally straight up says she feels that he should be jailed. But then there's this whole other thing about like her situation now, right? Um, so it's almost like two separate controversies. The conditions of her current conservatorship and how it limits her from like having agency over her own life. And then what happened years ago that we all overlooked because of early 2000s quote unquote bimbo culture. The abuse of women is often excused by branding them as crazy or ditzy. And I mean, this is why the conversation about Britney keeps ushering in another conversation about other famous women and specifically the way we treated those famous women in the early 2000s. The Framing Britney Spears documentary, the, the one that the New York Times did, gets into a lot of this and it inspired kind of a lot of think pieces online in its wake about like, oh my God, back in the day, talk show hosts would make these really like 
overtly sexual comments to young teen stars and oh my god Britney was posing on the cover of magazines in lingerie as an underage girl and it was sort of framed like she was this this girl that was empowered in her sexuality at 16 can you really understand like the gravity of that decision of having a, a full body image of you in a bra on like the cover of a magazine I mean can you can you make that decision for yourself or is it coercion or is it you know like exploitation and like I said it wasn't just Britney who was treated like this it was like every young beautiful woman who who was painted as ditzy who was painted as a bimbo parents were being taught that you know if your kid is idolizing britney spears and that's like dangerous you don't want them to grow up so sexual giving that persona to britney as a teenager before she could consent to having it was what made it so easy to tear her down and to harm her in many ways. And it's a persona that still kind of follows her now. Britney Spears is 40 years old now. I mean, she's not a young teeny bopper anymore. She is this fully grown adult woman with like teenage children. There is no reason why her teenage persona still needs to follow her, but yet it does. It kind of slugs behind her at all times. It's this, this, almost burden she has to carry and put up with no matter what she's doing. After that documentary came out and everybody started talking about the misogyny of the early 2000s, I kept being like, yeah, but what about Britney? What, like, can we keep centering Britney? But is it possible to stay focused solely on the conservatorship when there's so much more to it? I mean, Britney being a ditzy woman is also what makes her endearing to millions of fans. It's what makes her fun pop culture fodder. Even today, right? Britney's image is still something that we love to look at and pass around and tweet and post. If she were boring and bland or razor smart and could speak eloquently about herself, it would be just another boring disability rights case, right? Britney Spears is not the only person in America with a conservatorship. She is just the only really famous, interesting person, you know? <laughs> there are millions of people that have been fighting to be out of conservatorships their entire lives, but we're just consumed with the Britney of it all, you know, the, the pop superstar, Y2K princess icon vibes of it. <laughs> That's what makes her story stand out. It's what is making this get attention. Even when we're posting about her literal abuse, it's fun. Her picture is beautiful. The free Britney signs are in screaming hot pink and cutesy fonts. I mean, she's so deeply funny, even as she's like, crying out for help or making these statements in court. She's saying stuff that's iconic and polarizing and filled with drama and money. We are conditioned as humans to be drawn to all these theatrics and it's just really hard to rewire our brains to not get so stimulated by all that. It's literally just hard to take people seriously that we've been taught our whole lives are shallow and are no more than their image. But what I wanted to get at today is that Britney is human, and this is a major human rights violation. And Britney, in this conservatorship, is no different than any other person in America or across the world who is in a similar situation because of their mental illness or disability or anything of that sort. And like, listen, I would never ever judge anybody for getting lost in the theatrics of it all. I definitely fall victim to it too. Like there's like something iconic about hashtag free Britney. Just the whole vibe of it all. Like it vaguely mimics a political cause, but it's not. It puts you in community with other like young pop music fans. I mean, I get it and I get the hysteria, but I really, really want to take some time today to just make sure that we're not doing additional harm to Britney herself or more largely people that are in conservatorships or similar situations across the world. Because when we post or talk about Britney, our words likely aren't reaching her. They're reaching other people that deal with mental health issues, that deal with maybe addiction or drinking or whatever it may be, um, or people that are disabled in some way and, and whose families feel like they can't take care of themselves or whatever, like that's who we're reaching when we post. We're not speaking directly to Britney. And so we need to be careful with like 
our choices of language and words and the actual things that we're saying and suggesting because we don't want to do additional damage to those people. We want to make the world more safe and inclusive to those people, not less. that we could enter into her testimony that she gave in court the other day. She raised a lot of concerns. There are a few things that sort of like jumped out as being particularly shocking to people that I've been seeing like circulate the internet a little bit. Um, one of those is this whole like women's health angle. Brittany mentions that she had an IUD inserted um, a few years ago and she's not allowed to get it taken out even though she would love to get pregnant with her current boyfriend, Sam Ascari. Obviously, this is extremely concerning and disgusting, um, and there's a lot of people that are really troubled by it. Even Planned Parenthood put out a statement raising concern that this directly conflicts with Britney's right to her own body. People are like, oh man, this is some Handmaid's Tale type shit. Like, it's very, very cruel. But I think the darkest part of it actually is the fact that Britney's situation is not really like an anomaly. Like, obviously a woman having a forced IUD is like extremely dystopian and very, very severe. But so many women who want to be mothers are kind of policed. Like I mentioned earlier, one of the standout images from Britney's 2007 breakdown is that, that photo of her shaving her head, which we know now happened when she was facing postpartum depression. Postpartum invisibility is extremely real. Um, I think that back in the early 2000s, we didn't really have a common language to talk about this sort of thing, and it was extremely stigmatized. Um, but even now, there's a lot of unspoken standards and pressure for women regarding motherhood. Who decides what a good mother is? I mean, there are many instances where someone may put on the act of being a good mother to the public. They are well off, they're put together, they kind of front well, but behind the scenes they're seriously harming their child, whether it be through abuse or neglect or whatever. There's not one way a good mother looks. And who's to say if you're depressed, you can't be a good mother. Even the idea of Britney having children and still being sexual afterward was something that kind of skeeved people out back in the early 2000s. You can't be sexy and be a mom. You can't be sexual and be a mom. And you definitely can't be messy and be a mom. You, you have to be perfect. You have to be on. You have to be wholesome. In no way do I want to diminish the struggles a child might go through if their mother is mentally ill, but all mothers that are mentally ill are not necessarily unfit mothers. It's sort of like a leap in logic. Do you know what I mean? Like if A equals B and B equals C, that doesn't necessarily mean that A equals C. Look at me doing math. <laughs> and honestly, the ethics of the conservatorship are particularly strange here because like even if a woman is mentally ill, she usually typically is allowed to have a baby, whether or not she's able to stay with that baby throughout its entire life is another story, you know, regardless of whether she needs to be hospitalized or CPS comes or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of other issues and paths we can explore there, but like, she's allowed to have a baby. Nobody's like forcing her to um, use like birth control. So it's like so understandable why Brittany feels so slighted here. A big theme that comes up in her statement is about like, not trusting people, and especially the mental health professionals that are like assigned to her. She feels really traumatized from this really rigid mental health treatment from a former therapist, this man who just recently died, so now she feels sort of like empowered to talk about him. She even goes as far to say that she doesn't even believe in therapy anymore, and she'd like to deal with her problems through religion, um, and, and it really makes me wonder, like, would she believe in therapy more if she was able to pick her therapist, you know, pick someone that she vibes with, 
go however often she likes, go where she feels comfortable. Like she says several times, why are they sending me to a therapist that I have to literally leave my house and go to, where I have to run into all these paparazzi on the way and on the whole way back home when, I'm, when I've just been made so upset by therapy. Um, I would love to do therapy in my home. Like basically, does she not like therapy or does she just not like losing autonomy? I mean, she's bunching them together. This conservatorship is not actually helping her well-being because she's not learning to embrace the help she needs. She's putting up walls. She's losing faith in it. And that fucking sucks because it's like, what's the point of the, of the conservatorship then? Is it to force her to take meds so that she complies with you so that you can make money off of her? Or is it to make Britney feel better? A lot of the free Britney protesters and proponents keep being like, oh, free Britney, get her out of that house, get her back on stage, get her back touring again. And that may not be the life that she's going to live post conservatorship if she is quote unquote freed from it. It would more likely be a life where she gets to make decisions about her own treatment, the frequency of it, who she goes to see, what medication she's on, that sort of thing. And there may be ups and downs, but it's like her choice, you know what I mean? Because in that case, free Britney would mean free her to take care of herself, free her to like put herself at the center again. What does she actually want? What would make her feel better? Not like what would make the most money or what would make the fans happy, you know? Another really interesting thing that she brings up in her testimony is this idea of feeling like a slave. And I sort of hate that she used the word slave because now there's all these headlines that's like, Britney Spears says, I am not a slave for you. You know, cause she has that song, Slave For You back in the nineties. Like, oh my God, it makes it so mean, meany. she means is that she's forced to work and she has no say in the work that she does. She also can't do anything to her appearance, like she can't get beauty related services done, she can't see friends, she can't hang out with her boyfriend alone, that sort of thing. The isolation component of all that was really what stuck out to me. Detangling someone from friends is such a violent thing to do, especially because Britney mentions she can't even use her phone or social media on her own. Like she's alone alone. And if someone has no community around them, what's the point of life? There's been a lot of talk in recent years about the 13th Amendment to the Constitution. Um, this is the amendment that sort of allows something like slavery to continue to today. People who are in jail, who are like prisoners, can still legally do like what some people believe is like a form of slave labor. There are a lot of ways that our court and prison systems enable and reinforce slave-like experiences. So Britney's struggles are actually very, very common, not just amongst disabled women, but amongst prisoners and quote-unquote criminals too. It's a reason why prisons and courts aren't really the most ethical ways of dealing with harm and trauma. In fact, the solution that a lot of free Britney protesters and Britney herself in her statement have been suggesting to lock up Britney's conservators in jail perpetuates a cycle of violence rather than truly having them reckon with the ways they've taken her freedom. Because what's our goal here? Is it just to punish Britney's individual conservators? Is it just to say like, oh, Jamie Spears, her dad is like a shitty guy and deserves to rot in a jail? Or is it like, hey, nobody, no human, Britney Spears or not, famous or not, should have to like be locked under these conditions. No human should have to do labor without their consent. No human should be able to like have their body taken advantage of like this. I keep seeing these free Britney protesters and I'm like, okay, well, are y'all really about it? Or is it just like for the, the show of being a free Britney protester? Do you know what I mean? And, and it's bothering me because I love Britney too. She is such an incredible, amazing entertainer, right? She's an icon. I totally, totally agree. But Britney is one of many. And when we're focusing so intently on one person and the short term solutions 
solutions to their problems, we're neglecting a lot of other people and maybe like the more long-term actions we can take to prevent stuff like this from ever happening again. This free Britney movement is gaining momentum and it may be the time to like enact some laws to sort of change how we deal with people with mental illness or addiction issues or disabilities. It could be a great, great time and Britney could be this pioneer for other women or people that are in weird situations like hers. I just sort of wish that's what these fans wanted and were riding so hard for. And I don't doubt that there are free Britney people that are looking more broadly at the disability justice movement, but I wish it was more of a mission statement for the entire group as a whole. Cause there are so many tenants of Britney's story that are lining up exactly to what disability justice advocates have been fighting for for like the last three decades. In her statement, she talks about how like, there were claims made that she wasn't complying at rehearsals. Basically, like, she thought she was doing well. There was one dance move that she didn't really like, and she spoke up about it. Um, and they started saying, like, hey, you're acting out. Are you taking your meds? And she was like, yeah, I'm taking my meds. And they didn't believe her. So it started this whole thing recently where the doctor started giving her lithium, which is a different medication than she's been on for the past five years. And she said it was like, a really, really heavy dose and made her feel drunk and out of it. And immediately when I was listening to her talk about being given lithium, which I believe is a medication that's usually given to people with bipolar, um, I started thinking about like the way we stigmatize medication. Lithium is not necessarily a bad medication. It's just used to treat mental illnesses that society has deemed less meat and tidy. There are a host of mental health issues that we've come to like be really familiar with and accepting of, which is so, so wonderful. We have made like amazing progress in this area. And I think that's really, um, you know, a pat on the back to, to my generation, our generation for, for destigmatizing a lot of that. But there's still mental illnesses that we feel really like um, wary about and we're, we like tiptoe around and we don't want to talk about mental illnesses that do require what seems like heavier medication, we have learned that these mental illnesses are like worse than others and these people like stand out as needing like all this help and blah, 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 blah. But like, that's a story that we have learned. That is just a perspective. I don't know what Britney Spears actually has been diagnosed with or what her actual symptoms are and if they actually match up to the diagnoses that she's been given, but like, it doesn't matter. Whether or not she needs lithium, she's still a person that is deserving of respect, a person who is deserving of compensation for her work, a person who is deserving of autonomy, a person who is deserving of making her own choices. So whether or not somebody feels like she needs to take lithium, if she did not feel comfortable on it, she should have been able to speak with somebody and adjust her dose or switch to something else or take a break or whatever. And obviously, yeah, sometimes it just sucks to get on a new medication and, and, and adjust to it or whatever, um, but she should have felt safe talking to somebody at that time. I just think it would be great if we could keep the conversation focused on like, what's best for Brittany? What's best for other people with bipolar disorder? What's best for other people who have to take a medication like lithium? Not necessarily like, oh, maybe Brittany should be in the conservatorship because look, she has to take lithium and that's a pretty intense medication. And you know, maybe if she wasn't being watched, she wouldn't take it and da 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 Like there are other solutions, girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the solution is not to enslave her or to treat her like a child in the eyes of the law. She talks about being in rehab, like a home. Um, she says she was watched 24 seven, even as she bathed and changed. She couldn't see her kids. She couldn't see her boyfriend tons of invasive blood work. She was getting more depressed by the day. She never slept. I mean, it just did not seem like a place where healing could happen. And isn't that the goal? Don't we want Brittany to be better? I really feel so uncomfortable with the way that we talk about severe mental illness or severe disability. I mean, even the word severe is weird. Like it centers us, it centers the people that know those people rather than those people themselves. People with disabilities, humanity is constantly taken advantage of. 
in large ways like conservatorships and in small ways. And it's important to note that the disability rights movement is like really, really new. It wasn't until 1990 that the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed. That's the law that like mandates physical and emotional access into normal life for people with disabilities. It's also the law that prevents discrimination based on disability. So like prior to 1990, which is well within most people who are alive right now's lifetimes, anyone who was as mentally ill as Britney Spears apparently is, was like literally thrown into an asylum and treated so, so horribly, right? I mean, like, we call these things like a fucking loony bin at the time. Like in recent memory, people with disabilities were treated in such invasive, unethical, horrible ways. And it's like, come on, it's 2021. We've made so much progress. Disabled and mentally ill people need agency and they need to be heard directly from. It's extremely strange that Britney Spears is speaking publicly without a mediator for the first time in over 10 years now. To take away her voice like that, I mean, that's like one of the most violent things of all. Not too long ago in the winter, we had all these questions come up regarding freedom of speech when a lot of the social media sites banned Donald Trump's account. And questions of freedom of speech come up a lot on the internet when we're talking about like cancel culture and all of that, right? But like any of the people who've been canceled, Donald Trump, all of these people can still be recorded and televised. They can put out videos. They can make comments and statements. They can talk to the public still. Like even after swaths of people have determined that they're like unfit to make public statements, it's a person's legal right to talk to the public. If someone else is constantly inserting themselves into Britney's dialogue and speaking for her, then she doesn't have a voice. She has someone speaking through her like a vessel and that's not human. Up until a couple of days ago, she had no ability to say like, hey, this isn't working for me. I would really appreciate a different treatment or I would really appreciate to go to therapy in a different place or it would be really great for my well-being if I could spend some time with my boyfriend. I almost feel like her voicelessness is what's most sad to me because we're getting the story of Britney's conservatorship through other people. Like up until the other day, we've, we've only heard about this through fans who have been talking for her, through the conservators themselves, and through the people that are making these documentaries, who, newsflash, are also trying to make money. The whole thing is like Miley Cyrus's episode of Black Mirror. Like, do you remember that? With Ashley O and that fire song, On a Roll. Side note, I highly recommend you revisit that song. It goes so hard. <laughs> I read this article called The Darker Story Just Outside the Lens of Framing Britney Spears by Sarah Luderman, it was, um, it was for the New Republic. She writes, I might eat more M&Ms than my doctor would think is in my best interest for my cholesterol, for example, but nobody's going to court to ban my access to M&Ms because I'm not perceived as having a disability. There's this double standard where if you're perceived as having a disability, your preferences are subsumed by what's in your, quote, best interest. That's just not how humans function. Non-disabled adults make harmful decisions all the time, and they usually do not risk losing their civil rights for it. In this way, disability becomes a line through which different rights or denial of rights are articulated. So like big props to Sarah Luderman for The New Republic, because after reading that one take, I was like, that's the key that's missing from this whole Free Britney thing. There's all this talk of like, Britney shouldn't be in a conservatorship because she's able to tour. She's this like amazing performer. Britney shouldn't be in a conservatorship because it seems like she's a really good mom and her kids really like her. But like, it literally doesn't matter how disabled Britney Spears is by her mental illness, by addiction, by whatever. Britney Spears deserves rights because she's a human. And we all deserve this right to like not be great and not be perfect and to mess up and to have like rocky moments in our life. But there's just so much stigma around people with certain mental illnesses and certain disabilities. Even the fans that are trying to be helpful are kind of falling back on this trope. Like, oh no, 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 Britney's not that mentally ill. She'll be fine. And that doesn't feel like the answer to me because nobody deserves to have their human rights taken away. Even if Britney were having trouble caring for herself, she should still have basic levels of autonomy and control. 1,000%. I like a
of like how can we be better fans of Britney how can we be better disability rights advocates so if you want to rep free Britney if I want to rep free Britney what do I actually need to be doing you know beyond making a sign or an Instagram post that has some cutesy Britney Spears pun in it after listening to Britney's statement a couple of times what really struck a chord to me was how much she wants a complete break from pop star work she literally says, like, I want to be out of the spotlight. I don't want to tour. I just want to have another kid and spend some time with my boyfriend at home. So what if Britney doesn't want to perform or put out music ever again after the conservatorship ends? What if the conservatorship was the only thing that's been keeping her in the public eye for the past 10 years? I mean, she's put out a number of albums since the conservatorship started. They haven't all been super successful, but they are really beloved by her fans. What if she wasn't making this work? What if she didn't have a Vegas residency? Like, will you still support her? Like I said before, Britney's not my girl, but I can imagine how heartbroken I'd be if one of my all-time favorite pop stars revealed they don't want to perform anymore. But at the end of the day, like it might be disappointing, but we need to honor a person's needs. If Britney upholds boundaries, keeping fans out, if she stops posting, disappears, whatever, we need to respect that. Not because we are Britney fans and so deeply love her, but because humans deserve that right. It's a human issue more than it's a celebrity one. Celebrities aren't like exempt from the rules of human decency. And obviously too, after reading her statement, it's evident that she's still so troubled by the concept of the paparazzi. Paparazzi as a whole are definitely less invasive now than they were in the early 2000s. There's a lot of laws that are in place that like prevent paparazzi from being certain places now. So it's not as much of a wild, wild west as it once was like in the peak of Britney's fame. So I think a lot of her discomfort around the paparazzi probably comes more so from trauma then it comes from like everyday interactions with them. You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? karma, another day, another drama. Guess I can't see the harm in working and being a mom. And with a kid on my arm, I'm still an exception. You want a piece of me? I'm Mrs. Lifestyle, the rich and famous. You want a piece of me? to make so much money from these from these videos and photos that they get of her the answer is to not consume their content it reminds me a little bit of when like you know when celebrities get their nude photos leaked if we look at those pictures and videos when they pop up on twitter or in the news we're essentially doing the exact same thing that the leaker did we're viewing something without the celebrity's consent i mean a celebrity can post sexual content whether it be for money on like something like OnlyFans or for free and that's their business right we're free to consume it then as long as they're like over 18 but if we're consuming private videos then we're encouraging the leakers to leak right it's like this vicious cycle we're feeding into it we're incentivizing invasions of privacy it's the same thing when we consume paparazzi content or aggressively speculate on things we don't hear from the source about so even just talking about free britney prior to britney spears giving her testimony it's kind of like what are we basing this off of we're like we're like puzzling together crumbs that we've like sort of imagined in order to make a story when we do it we're like letting other people know it's okay for them to do it it's really just this big cycle this big circle that we can get locked into honestly i feel like the people who look at paparazzi photos the most probably more than anybody in the general public are like 
super intense pop music fans. Yeah, of course. We want to know everything about our favorite artists. We want to be there with them in every moment. Like, I'm sure that there's so many people in the world that feel about Britney the way that I do about, like, Ariana Grande, right? Like, we all have, like, our person that, like, we just want to be in their world so bad, right? If a paparazzi photo of Ariana Grande comes up on my Twitter, I'm going to look at it. But, like, then I'm contributing to this system that, like, makes paparazzi photos valuable. Meanwhile, all those photographers could be doing something totally different with their lives that's much more productive and much less invasive. It's like a system that doesn't need to exist. We don't need to have paparazzi. The only reason it exists is because of us. So let's stop it. We have to get over this impulse we have to like wanna look at a car accident too. Is that making us feel better about ourselves? Like what are we getting out of it? What do we get out of like, Oh, crazy Britney Spears. She's having a breakdown. She's crazy. What do we get out of that? I mean, it's not doing anything of note. It's just noise and it's making Britney's life worse and it's making lives of like random everyday people with mental health problems worse. We don't have to do that. We can break this kind of generational curse we've gotten into of wanting to see the rich and famous fall. Basically, it all keeps coming back to this idea of like, what is actually best for Britney? And I think it's really important to listen to her and not like get hung up on her eloquence. Like I get it. She, Britney sometimes like talks in circles. I think that like this is a common linguistic pattern for people that were raised in the deep South, but also like people maybe who are deeply traumatized as well, or people that are just speaking in venues that they may be like really nervous to speak in. But like to criticize her for like the way she speaks in her statement is kind of silly. I think it's important to listen for the intention rather than like how she's saying it. A person's eloquence really should not determine how many rights they should or shouldn't have. We really, really need to give Britney sympathy without further infantilizing her. She sees and defines herself as like a level-headed, strong businesswoman who's been working for two decades at this point. It's pretty rare that people who are mentally ill or disabled want to be pitied or want special attention. Like that's stuff we've been taught. Once again, that's a story that we've learned from people who aren't mentally ill or disabled. It's coming from the outside. We've been taught to baby them, to talk down to them, or to see them as living these shameful lives. Like, oh, they must be so embarrassed. I feel so bad for them. Or even the the, the flip side, right? The vice versa, like they're so inspiring. Like Britney doesn't want that. Your mentally ill friends don't want that. I mean, these people don't see themselves as living with a flaw. They don't see themselves as different. They literally just want to live freely and be loved as them. These documentaries did get the Free Britney movement moving, but they're also re-traumatizing Britney and bringing extra attention to her. This is why spotlighting Britney at the moment is so tricky. Of course, as people who care about her, we wanna like, expose all the wrongdoings that have been done to her, but it's not really our business to say how that gets done or to control the narrative. I mean, the New York Times made that Britney documentary and then like a month later, BBC made a similar one sort of piggybacking off of the New York Times success and riding their coattails. Both of these networks are making money off their docs. People who appeared in those films or worked on them are making money off those docs. If I were to put out this podcast and monetize it, I would be making money off it, although probably not fucking much. <laughs> it's a reason why pop culture commentary and criticism can be insidious even when it doesn't intend to be. Journalism and reporting too. It probably would be best to give Britney the space to deal with this case as a private citizen, but also there's the factor that like the increased attention on the case could hold the court to increased accountability. And then what happens with this court case and Britney's conservatorship can then splinter out to the cases that other disabled people have. You know how there are those really famous court cases that almost act as a tipping point and then every case thereafter that's like sort of similar, you know, the lawyers working on those cases are able to like replicate what the previous lawyer did. So I don't know if the problem is that there is attention on the case. It's really just like who's talking and why.
To say that only female celebrities get this sort of treatment is interesting, but I don't know if it's true. I mean, a lot of the Michael Jackson story parallels this pretty well, which is why it's sort of haunting. His story obviously ends in death and to some murder. Britney is beloved by so many, not only by fans, but just people who are able to connect to her story, people with disability or mental health issues. So we don't want to see her harmed further, and we definitely do not want to see her life cut short. She's still relatively young, though she's been in the public eye for so long. Anyway, I feel like it's more of a problem regarding fame than a problem regarding gender, and a problem more largely with money, to be honest. We as fans, of course, need to re-examine our relationship with, like, the word crazy as it relates to women, or, like, the way that we sexualize young girls in the 90s. Yeah, like, of course we need to reckon with all that, but it's, like, almost a separate thing. It definitely all intersects in a way, just like how gender intersects with pretty much everything in the world. We see the same story repeat itself over and over. We've seen it with Lindsay Lohan, we've seen it with Amanda Bynes, we've seen it with Demi Lovato, and we've always chalked it up to that same story. You know, the Hollywood machine gets a hold of these young, pure, innocent, child talents and messes them up for good. We like this story because it centers us, it centers the fans. Like, oh, I used to watch the Amanda show as a kid and now look at what happened to Amanda. It's so sad, it's so sad. She was such a talent, she had such a gift. But like, it's not only sad to us as people who, who grew up on Hit Me Baby One More Time and Toxic and Oops, you know, like it's sad to Britney. It's sad to Amanda, it's sad to Lindsay, Demi, like it really bothers me when we center ourselves because we are not the ones in pain. These are real lives that are being ruined and we are commodifying them even when they are in crisis. It's so important to speak about these stars from the perspective that we don't know them and that they deserve everything. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. It was like really, really great to chat with you again. I hope this gave you some stuff to, to think about in regards to the whole Free Britney case. Of course, like I'm Free Britney. I just like, I just want to kind of broaden the conversation a little bit. All right. Thank you. I'll play us out today with a Britney Spears classic. Enjoy. I hope to talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.